As we get going, I have to talk a little bit about last week. There are times at church where I need to talk about some controversial subjects, sometimes some touchy subjects because they're in the Word of God. And normally we, we do that. We talk about controversial things quite a lot and, and no problem. But one week, I mentioned that cats are better than dogs. And I got half the church mad at me. I just want to point out again, it was, it was in the passage. We saw from last week, it finished saying that the dog returned to its own vomit. And saying that they're like these false teachers. They return to their sins over and over again. So you can be mad at me or you can be mad at uh, Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit that put this in here, saying, uh, just, just saying this. It's just funny. All the, all the things that we talk about and so people upset, dogs and cats. Um, <clears throat> you know, I just uh, point out the positive things it says about, you know, cats. Jesus, lion of the tribe of Judah. Okay. Although I pointed that out at, at, at staff meeting and Pastor Nick said yes, but doesn't scripture also say that the devil prowls around like a roaring what? <laughs> Lie? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully we have something in today's passage that we can all agree on. As Christians, Jesus is returning. There is a return to look forward to. And we've spent, uh, at least for in our messages in Peter, the last four talking about false teachers. And in a way, we have to keep this in mind because the false teachers... I think they had been denying the return of Christ. They had been scoffing at this, as we will see. And so this is part of the reason that Peter is going to talk about the return of Christ, and we'll be talking about this today and in the next few weeks uh, to come as well. But this is something that us all as believers should be able to unite around and be uh, just hopeful that Jesus Christ is coming. If you are in rebellion against Christ, we are going to see this will not be the best day of your life. When Christ comes back, uh, this will be the, the worst day of your life. But if you are in harmony with him, if you have been reconciled to him through Jesus Christ, and this is something that is offered to you now, if you are still in rebellion against him, then you, can, you don't have to stay in rebellion. You can, you can turn from that rebellion and embrace him as your Lord and Savior. And we see he is longing for that. He wants to be reconciled with you. And he has died on the cross so that you can be reconciled at his expense, what he has done, the price he has paid for you. But this idea of the return of Christ is something that we need to know and that we need to remember. So this is a great passage. We're going to look at the first seven verses of Second Peter chapter 3. Let's read through this together, and then we're going to go verse by verse and unpack the meaning. Now this is the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commands of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And they will say, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, 
And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. These are the words of the Lord. These are the section, this is a section of scripture that we will focus on here today. So the first of two main points that we're going to talk about uh, this morning is the simple idea to remember that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and we need to remember this. Not just that, oh yeah, he is coming back, I got it. But to keep this in our memory, to keep this alive and in front of us. It's one thing to know something, and it's another thing to exist and go through life with that as a present reality, as something that we're mindful of and that influences the decisions uh, that we make day by day, that influences how we, we live our lives. So walking through this, Verse 1, this is now the second letter that I am writing to you. Peter says this. Uh, we assume that the first letter he's talking about was First Peter, unless there was another letter uh, that in God's providence was not preserved. Like we know that there's at least two of Paul's Corinthian letters that were um, not in God's providence meant to be uh, preserved as Scripture. If that's the case, it would mean that 1 Peter and 2 Peter are to two different audiences. I think it's most likely he's talking about 1 Peter, and this is the second letter. But then notice he says, beloved. He's talking to his audience here and letting them know that they are beloved. False teachers do not love the people that they are influencing. The wolves do not love the sheep that they are devouring. They may love to devour them, but it is not the type of love that they are beloved in their sight, that they are they're deeply loved. We need to remember that as, as uh, believers, as, as people, that we are deeply loved by the Lord, first of all. And then by, uh, in contrast to the false teachers, uh, the good teachers, people like, like, like Peter, that we need to, uh, that we are loved by, good shepherds will love their sheep, and we ought to love each other as well. So it just sets a whole different tone here than the section on the, the false teachers that we had been going through in the past verses before this. So he says, I'm writing to you, beloved, in both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. And he's going to mention this again to, to remember, reminder. This has already been a theme in, in Second Peter that we've, we've seen already. Just the importance of remembering God's truth, keeping that in our mind, keeping that in our forefront. We need to remember what is true, and we need to remind others of what is true. There are times where it's not about just getting a bunch of new information. You know, what's new? What's the new novelty? Um, and maybe if, if you are newer to church, and I, I'm thankful that you are here, and uh, you're going to be learning new things and have it change your worldview and what you realize is true about God and the world and about yourself. But if you've been going to church uh, for, for years or, or decades, uh, hopefully there's, o- there's always new things to learn. But so much of it is, is reminding ourselves of the things that we already have learned. Keeping that fresh, keeping it in front of us to make sure that we live our lives. Because sometimes it's easy to let things just go slip in the back. And there's so many pressing things that happen in, this, in our lives. 
so many things that this is what's important. This is on our mind right now. But to keep in mind the important things, the, the stuff that's going to come later, the, the important stuff, the eternity that we have in front of us. Verse 2, it talks more about this. It says that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So he's getting at more specifically here what it is in specific that he wants people to remember. And we're going to see, because we've, we've read the, this section already, he's specifically going to be talking about the, the return of Christ especially. The return of Christ, but also there's this idea that there is a judgment to come. That there is this time where Christ returns, and there's a lot of hope with this, there's a lot of good, especially if you are reconciled to Christ. But there's a time of, of judgment, and this will be a fearful time if you, are, if you are out of sync with the Lord, if you are in rebellion against the Lord. This is not going to be a good time for you. And it mentions both the holy prophets. And this is something even since the Old Testament times. It's talked about a day of the Lord that is coming. And we have a, we have a Sunday school class going on right now that's digging into that in, in detail. Uh, if you want to even get more detail than we can do in the next few weeks, uh, but one of the passages, there's plenty we could look to, but Isaiah 13, 6 says this in some very sober language. It says, Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. As destruction from the Almighty, it will come. So this is something that is, that is on the horizon, that is approaching, and that is a, uh, a dreadful thing uh, to, if this comes and you are unprepared for it. But it also says this is a commandment not just of the holy uh, prophets, but of the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So, so many things that are taught in the New Testament. The New Testament was given to us through the apostles. We also have Jesus' statements. And he himself predicted that after he leaves, that he will be returning. Uh, one of the places, uh, just as a sample that I'll give you for that, Matthew 24, 36 through 39. These words. But concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So this is Jesus talking while he's on earth, and he's also saying that this time when this return comes, it's going to happen, uh, it's going to be a surprise. It's time that we don't know when it's going to happen, so you need to be prepared for it. And at the time, Jesus is saying that he also does not know. I think this was during his time uh, while he was on earth in the state of humiliation when he had his, his glory veiled. I mean, I think now that he's, he's glorified and he's with the Father, I, I, I don't think this applies that he doesn't know. Uh, but at the time, he's saying this is, he knows he's coming back, but when exactly that's going to take place, uh, this, this was a big secret. But because we don't know, you need to be ready. Jesus goes on and says, For as we're in the days of Noah so will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Son of Man, that's Jesus also referring to himself. He's the Son of God and he's the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, talking about Noah's flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, just normal things of life and living it up and enjoying all this and this is life and it's going to carry on like normal until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. And so will be the coming of the Son of Man. There's going to be this time of judgment. It's going to come, and unfortunately, it's going to catch so many people unaware. 
And so part of this message is letting you know that there's going to be this time where things are going to change. Christ is going to return. There'll be this day of the Lord, this time of judgment. And I pray and I hope that you will be prepared for this. The passage in 2 Peter goes on. Verse 3 says, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. It says the scoffers are going to come, and what are the scoffers are going to do? They are going to come with scoffing. Okay, a scoffer's going to scoff. That's, that's how it works. I think, well, what is scoffing? And I thought, well, I don't know a formal definition, but basically it's when you say, whatever. And basically they're, they're scoffing at this idea that Jesus is going to come. And I think at this point, uh, you know, this letter is maybe written about somewhere in the, the 60s, 60 A.D., and it's maybe been about 30 years since Jesus uh, had been on earth, and he uh, lived his life. He had his public ministry for about three years. He's crucified. He died on the cross. Uh, he was put to death, but he willingly went to the cross because this is what he needed to do to pay for our sins. He rose again on the third day. And uh, after uh, 40 days of appearances, he ascended. But the biblical message is that Jesus is returning. He's returning soon. He could come at any moment. And people are excited for this. All right, he's going to come back. Uh, maybe it'll be this next week. Maybe it'll be next year. And then time will go by. Like, okay, it's been a year. It seems like it's longer than we thought it was going to be, but uh, probably this next year. And then it's a few years. And then, well, it's been 10 years. Now it's been 20 and some people were saying, yeah, really, this is going to happen? I think it would have happened by now. I don't think he's coming back. You're saying this, you're saying he's going to come, and supposedly come, come soon. Uh, it doesn't look like it. And so they were scoffing in disbelief. They said, we might as well just live our lives as if this is how it's going to be. You know, live for this world. Christ isn't, he's not really coming back. These promises uh, don't really seem to have filled out. So it says in verse 4, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, there were Christians before them that had passed away, that had died. It says all things continue as they were from, from the beginning of creation. Everything just seems to go on. Everything is the same. Nothing seems to change. One thing on the side I want to point out too before we kind of move on to some other applications. It says, they come with their scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And I wonder, is there a connection between that? Is there a reason that if you're following your own sinful desires, you're going to be not wanting this idea of Jesus coming back? Not wanting this idea of uh, the Lord is going to come back? Because maybe, maybe things are going really well for you. And you are setting up your, your empire here on earth, on earth you're living for your own treasure, you're living for your own glory and all of this, Jesus comes back, that's going to change that. That's going to, that's going to disrupt all this. Your plans for your own little empire here. If the actual king, you have the real return of the king that comes, that's going to change everything. But also if you're living for your own sinful desires, as we are all born as sinners and we have sin in our hearts. And we live in a world that says, if you desire something, you better live for that. You better follow that and go for it. That's what it means for you to be an authentic human, to, to follow the desires of your heart. But here it says, this is what these sinful scoffers are doing. They're just going after what, whatever they desire. 
And yeah, they're not going to like the idea that uh, the Lord God, the eternal, the judge of the universe is going to come and have us give an account to him. It's going to judge those that are just following the, the sins that are, that are in our heart. So we're going to want to push that out of our mind. They're going to have motivation to, to not think about Christ's returning, not thinking about uh, a day of judgment that is ahead. They're going to be motivated to, to push that out and not think about it. Remember, too, it says following their own sinful desires. We all have sinful desires. Yeah, but don't follow them. Resist them. Repent. Ask God to help you change your desires. Just because there is a desire doesn't mean that we have to go after it. There's so many things in our heart that we realize the source is wrong and we shouldn't go after it. But when we do go after these things and we realize that we have sinned and we sin because there's sin in our heart, and maybe you've resisted most of those desires, but you still realize you have sinful desires. Well, that should make us realize, each of us, that we need a Savior. We need someone to save us, not for, just from our sinful actions, but from the sin that, and rebellion that is in our hearts. And that's why each person here, whether you've acted on those desires or you just have them in your heart, we all need Jesus. We all need the one that has paid the price for us to give us salvation. Let me give you two applications before we move on. We're thinking about this and we're realizing Jesus is coming back. There is going to be something that is going to be different. And so, one, thinking of Mother's Day in particular, you know, mothers and parents, love your kids by reminding them of what is true. When I think of what parenting is, and there's so many things that go with it, and there are important uh, things that are just the everyday needs of life, um, you know, keeping your kids safe. You know, there's that period for those of you that, you know, had the um, you know, young kids that are out here and some, you know, are first-time parents and it's, you know, there's a lot of work. You know, they're little and you've got to take care of them. They're spitting up and they're all kinds of different things. And you think, well, it would be great when they get a little bit older and they get on their feet. You realize, oh, no, now it's like basically two years of suicide patrol. Uh, <laughs> these, they just want to throw themselves down the stairs and whatever. You know, so, and that is a godly calling, keeping your kids healthy, keeping, protecting their lives, uh, feeding them, uh, putting them to, to bed, all these hard things that we need to do. But, but don't neglect the spiritual as well. Because we're not just physical beings, but we're spiritual beings. And so you want to teach them about Jesus Christ. You want to help them to, to understand authority, not just so that they're good, obedient kids, but ultimately they realize the Lord, they realize the authority he has over us. And that when we, we rebel against that, that this is not a good thing. This is a sinful thing. We want our kids ultimately to realize that, uh, that they are sinners. They're deeply loved by the Lord. They're created by him. They're created in his image. And he loves the little children. But they have come into this world as, as little sinners. Nobody had to teach them how to sin. Uh, we sometimes do. We uh, help them perfect their techniques, unfortunately. But that's built in. That's in our hearts. We come into this world as sinners. We need to teach them about Christ and the redemption that he has, but then also how to, to live life for him, to have the right values. And it's not just that... So it'd be great if we could just sit down, okay, here's the things you need to know. Bam, bam, bam. You got it? And kids are like, yeah, I got it. And then you can move on to other things. Doesn't work like that. It's constant reminding them, helping to, to drill that into them, to drill it down deep into their hearts. And there are times where they'll kind of get it, 
There's times where it bounces off. There's times where they get it now, but later on they're going to need it in a deeper way. They're going to need to be reminded of this, that this is how you need to live out this truth now. So much of this is about remembering and reminding, helping them to interpret life with a, with a Christian worldview, with eternity in mind, with the Lord in mind. So make sure that you're loving your kids genuinely that way by teaching them and reminding them of God's truth. And also we see in this passage, you know, the scoffers say nothing changes. You know, it's, Christ hasn't returned. And now we've had other, you know, some of the early Christians, they've, they've passed on, they've died. And it seems like Jesus would have come back by now. I don't think anything's going to change. Remember, nothing changes until it does. And all of a sudden things change. Uh, you know, empires seem like they're going to last forever until they fall. Our lives think they're going to go forever until they're not. And this world seems like it's going to go on forever the way it is until it doesn't. So remember that, that nothing changes until it does. So don't live your lives for the world as it is now. Everyone else in the world is living for this life the way that it seems to be right now. The rules of the game as they are. This is what you need to do to be fulfilled. This is what you need to do to succeed. You need to uh, you know, do the right you know, activities at, at, at school, and that's what the kids should be doing. And uh, parents can live vicariously through their kids' achievements there. And then they have to get a good job, and if you have the right kind of uh, house, and if you have the right kind of car, and maybe a boat, and maybe a ski-doo, and these things, and the right status symbols, if you can post the right things on Facebook and on Instagram or whatever your thing is, and so other people think, oh, you got it all together. Uh, these are the things that people live for today, the right amount of money in the, the savings accounts and the retirement accounts and all of these different things. And they're living just for this world. This world is important, but this world is temporary. There is a whole eternity to come, and everything is going to change when Christ comes back. And when Jesus returns, everything is going to change in an instant. Think of how many things that are so important to you right now would that be important to you if Christ came back today? What are the big things that are in your mind for today or for this week or this month? And think if Christ came back, would that matter at all? Put things in the right perspective. Don't live for just this life, but live for eternity. So looking at the second part of our passage this morning, I'll say it this way. Don't overlook God's history of disrupting the status quo. And I will explain what I mean by that. But what I'm trying to get at is, I think what Peter is doing in these next verses, because he talks about the return of Christ, but then he starts talking about creation. He starts talking about Noah and his flood. And all this, and like, what's, what's the point? Why is he bringing these things up? I think what he's doing is he is giving us notice that there are times when it seems like everything is static, everything is constant, nothing is, is changing, and then there's a change. And then all of a sudden, things are different after that. You know, this being Mother's Day, I can't help but uh, think about the fact of uh, how much things change for mothers when a baby comes into your life, into uh, your existence, uh, first inside of you and into this world. That is a game changer. Okay, things are not the same after that. If you think, okay, I have this, this baby and things are going to not be different, no, things, are, things are very different. 
And, and it's good, and there's challenges, and there's blessings, but it's, it's definitely different. All of a sudden, just like that. I would say for us, I, uh, I've never been a, a mom, you know, but, um, you know, uh, I, well, I, I was a, um, I'll confess this to you, I was at one time a, a man trapped in a woman's body, uh, but then I was born. Um, uh, <laughs> and that was a big change. Uh, this is great here. I'm just hanging on this wound. This is nice. I'm safe. And all of a sudden there's this, you know, doctor and they're cutting things. And what's going on? You know, so there, there are changes for all of us. And we, we tend to think this life is just going to be static and it's going to continue on. So we, let's look at this passage. And we're going to see Peter's trying to get us to realize changes that are happening. So he says, for they deliberately overlook this fact. Let me just say, even right on that, notice it says they deliberately overlook this. There's sometimes we forget because we just are forgetful. Sometimes we forget because we just haven't reviewed, things slip our minds. But there's sometimes we are choosing to forget something. It is deliberate. There's something that we don't want to remember this. Because if we do, that's going to mess with our lives. It's going to mess with our feelings. It's going to mess with our thinkings. It's going to get in the way of our desires. And sometimes it's way easier to, well, let's, let's push that off. And we as sinners and as human beings have this way of doing this. And maybe you don't sit down and say, I'm going to deliberately ignore this truth. But we find a way to just do that. Subconsciously or however it is, to just push these things to the side, compartmentalize them so we don't have to worry about them. So realize that we tend to do this. That there are truths that as sins we, we suppress, we, we push off, we don't remember these things, and therefore we, we err, we make mistakes. This is what false teachers were doing, and this is what we all can be doing too if we're not careful to try and remember and live like these things are true. So verse 5 says, They deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. That God, by his word, by his command, created this world. So I, I think in these three verses, he's talking about three changes or three, let's say, you know, disruptions to the static quo. The, the, the way, the status quo, the, 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 what seems like the static universe, the way things are. And the first of these, this was a pretty big change. Creation, God created this world. I mean, what a big change that is. That there was nothing, at least nothing but God, and then there was something. That's a really big change. All of the matter in this world, everything that exists, didn't exist. And then, by God's command, it existed. And then he formed it and he, he shaped it into the world. And we see in Genesis 1, the record of how he did that. That's a big change. And think of this. Um, and it's hard to say how time even was before creation. I don't think, even think you can really talk about time before God created, he existed, but God, I believe, is, is timeless. But if you want to think of this, there was a time when there was nothing. And you know what? If you didn't believe in God, if there was ever a time when there was absolutely nothing, there would still be absolutely nothing. Because there would be nothing to cause any type of change in that situation. If there was nothing, it would be at equilibrium in that world. And there would just always be nothing. There would be no potential. I mean, you can't say, well, there, by chance, the world could come into existence. Chance. Chance is not a thing. 
Chance is just a number of probability. And if there is nothing, the probability of the world coming into existence, if there was ever a time when there was absolutely nothing, I can tell you with absolute certainty, the probability of that was 0.000 forever. There was no chance. And I know there are some you know, atheist scientists that will try to say, well, you know, when we say there was nothing, there was really a, uh, uh, the quantum fluctuations in the quantum foam, and eventually there, well, okay, if you're saying there was quantum foam or whatever, then you're not really saying there was nothing. And explain to me how that was there, okay? There had to be, at some point, there had to be uh, something, and God is the one that brought that something into existence, that God existed before everything else. And it points out here, it, it talks about water. And I think we'll see in a little bit why he's mentioning this. But we remember back in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep or over the waters. So after the initial creation, as God is starting to form this on the first day, it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then a lot of uh, the narrative in Genesis 1 is God kind of moving water around in different ways. That's part of it. So when it says uh, the created the world, it doesn't mean that there was pre-existing water uh, that always existed. God created the world and it was formless and over this. And then God, uh, in the days, six days of creation, shaped this into the world we have. That's a big disruption, this change of the world from not being created to being created. So that's the first example that he gives. And then verse 6, And by the means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. So now he's talking about the the flood or the, the deluge, the word he says. So this is the second big disruption. There's been more than this, but these are ones that he mentions. And this one also has a connection with water, a big connection, uh, the, the flood, a lot of water there. And so the world uh, gets a um, kind of a, a reboot here. It talks about just the, the, the rampant sin throughout the world. And remember back to that passage that we just looked at from Jesus uh, when he was mentioning this in Matthew 24? He said that the people in Noah's day, you know, they're eating and drinking, they're marrying and giving in marriage, they're carrying on in life, they're viewing their life as just this is all there is, and we can live for this and we can live for our pleasures, uh, whether they're okay or whether they're sinful, because this is how it's always going to be. And yeah, there's that crazy guy Noah building an ark and saying that judgment's coming, but we can blow him off because that's nonsense, and this is just how things are always going to be. Cue thunder cue the raindrops, and then judgment comes. And all but Noah and his family, they, they perish. That's a big change. The lives that they thought they were going to have, the careers, the empire, all this the stuff that they thought was going to happen that came to an end when God's judgment came upon that generation. So Peter's saying, keep these things in mind. God has this way of intervening in history. When you think things are just going along as normal, God can intervene and has done this. And in the same way, that is also going to happen when the day of the Lord comes, when Christ returns, when judgment comes on this earth. And so we see that in verse 7. It says, By the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. So the third big disruption here, the judgment and destruction of the world. 
at the turn of Christ here. This isn't, this is no, for the computer guys, this is no longer a, a kind of a soft reboot. Uh, this is, a, I think, a complete reformatting. You know, we're going to wipe the hard drive here and redo things. This is, it describes it as destruction by fire. And this is another thing. If you thought, well, it's, I guess it's water every time. First uh, thing is water, second's water. Well, no, it's different here. This one's going to be fire. And we know it needs to be because God promised after the flood in Genesis 9 that he's not going to destroy the world again with water. But this time it'll be with fire. Uh, so uh, does the Bible talk about global warming? Uh, well, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> um, but there will be this, uh, this destruction. Zephaniah, I'm going to quote a verse from Zephaniah 1.18. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. For a full and sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Of the day of judgment comes. In that passage, describing it metaphorically as fire, I think this is talking about literal fire, I believe. Maybe some kind of... We, well, we don't know exactly how it's going to work. Um, but Zephaniah points out your silver, your gold, your retirement account, um, whether it, how bad inflation is or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's not what's going to save you. Um, you know, it can be good to be good stewards of that, but you're not going to get in heaven. There's no price that you can pay. There's no amount of uh, cash that you can deliver up uh, to save your soul on that day. The price is beyond that, and it can't be paid for by silver. It can't be paid for by gold, but it has been paid for by the blood of Christ, more valuable than all of these things. But you need to accept that. You need to receive Jesus as your Savior. Let me finish with three applications. First, don't fall into the assumption that we live in a world, that we live in a closed universe that God cannot enter. Don't become like the, the deists of those back a few hundred years ago, this idea that God, there's a God, he created the world, but then he just kind of let it go. He's like this clockmaker that's really good at making clocks, and he makes it, but then, you know, he sends it off on his own, and he's got other things to worry about. He doesn't intervene, and everything just happens mechanically in this world. No, God is able to intervene in this world, and even in the things in this world that are cause and effect, there's a lot of things that are cause and effect and that are predictable, Okay, the reason you can predict the weather, or in Michigan, kind of predict the weather, uh, <laughs> you know, is that there's usually cause and effect things. But we believe that, that God even is sustaining all of these things, that he's working in and through them, that he's able to, to govern and direct these things according to his purposes. Um, but most of the time, yeah, right now we see things that most of the time can be explained by cause and effect in this life. And we don't see all kinds of just radical miracles or things happening. And it's easy to think then, well, I guess those things are never going to happen. Well, guess what? One day they are. And God can do whatever he wants whenever he wants. And there's going to come a day when dramatic things are going to happen in this world. There's going to be changes. God has not abandoned this world. He has not left this world. Jesus Christ is not physically in this world with his body, but we believe one day he is going to return, even with his body and reign on this earth. Things are going to be very different. So don't think that we live in this closed world, closed off from God and, and a sealed system. Uh, God is active and God will return. Second, live with an eternal perspective. 
I want to say this to, to mothers, um, being Mother's Day again. You know, think of just what a high and noble calling that God has given you. Uh, for the biological mothers here, it's the fact that, that God has um, caused it that, that in your womb, it's not just a life form that is created. We do believe it is life from conception, human life. But realize this is, this is eternal an eternal being, an eternal person, that this person is created, yeah, they're going to live for a time period on this earth, but they're going to live forever after that somewhere. Now, we are not eternal in the sense that God is. He exists outside of time. He never had a beginning. Each of us had a beginning in our mother's womb, but then from that start, it will go on forever and ever without end. Our physical life will have an end. We will live I pray for you, hopefully, with the Lord in, in heaven and glory, or you will live apart from him and eventually in what the Bible describes as the lake of fire if you die in your rebellion against him. And that's why I plead for you to come to Christ. Um, and then we know that Christ returns, the dead are raised, but there's an eternity that is ahead. And so if you think about this, first of all, just the, the high calling of motherhood that uh, you are, have done something from the beginning, you know, creating uh, in you an eternal being. But then, it isn't just that, but it's the, the whole rest of motherhood. That's just the beginning. And so whether you are a biological mom or an adoptive mom, and adoptive moms are real moms, that you have this whole life ahead that you are shaping and you are nurturing that eternal being that is in this world. And you are pointing that person to one destiny or another? Are they going to treasure the things of this world and things are going to perish? Or are they going to treasure the Lord and find their joy and fulfillment in Him? You can't control absolutely the decisions they make, but there's so much of pointing them, so much influence that cannot be replicated uh, by anyone but mom or dad. And both mom and dad have distinct and unique and incredibly powerful roles if we don't abdicate those duties, those responsibilities. Think of all the things you could be doing. I mean, you could be building a career. That's great. How long is that going to last? You could build a product. That's great. How long is that going to last? You could you know, build a, a, a company or an empire. That's great. How long is that going to last? Not forever. But what you do in the life of a human being, that lasts forever. Put that in perspective. And finally, be thankful that there is not only judgment to come. A lot of this passage is about judgment, but there is also hope now for all who turn to Christ in repentant faith. So as we close, I want to read a little bit more. This is a preview of what we'll be talking about in the next few weeks, and I hope if you can that you'll be able to come back. I want to leave us with a, a note of hope with this as well passage goes on after talking about the destruction of the ungodly. Verse 8, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some of you count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's what God wants for you, to turn from 
from rebellion to turn to him, receive Jesus Christ, the Lord, as your Savior, as your Lord, that you can know that forgiveness that he paid for on the cross and have the hope of an eternal life with him. Let's pray. Lord, we give you praise. We give you thanks. Help us to remember that you are coming back. Help us to remember that this life is not all that there is. Let us live with an eternal perspective, each of us. And for those here that are moms, that are dads, that are parents, and also grandparents and those investing in the lives of others, help us to point them in that direction. Help us not to just look at this world as it is, but the world to come as well. And Lord, we long for your return. Help us to be ready for that. Lord, work in the heart of anyone here that is not prepared to meet you, Lord, and that they would be able to greet you as as Savior and Lord when you return for them. We give you our praise. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.